All right, welcome to another edition of the TD Green Winter Rules podcast coming to you from the TD Green studios inside the Golf Dojo in Williamsville. Original location as the second location, is, the finishing touch is being put on here in the coming weeks to open up second location on Niagara Falls Boulevard. And would it be Tonawanda, Brian? On that side of it, it would be Tonawanda, It would be yes. Tonawanda. All right, on that side of it. I'm Kevin Silvestri. He's Brian Koziel. Yes, you've got a twosome today. Uh, both Jeffs uh, uh, not able to be with us today, but that's all right. We've got uh, uh, some great topics for you, uh, with it being Halloween. We've got, uh, our course, our weekly rules discussion we're going to have, and then uh, uh, a little bonus ball for you uh, coming up here. So, But, Brian, we haven't uh, – it's been a couple weeks – Wait, you know, how you doing? Everything good? Doing well, yeah. All right. The Sabres have been playing on Monday, which has been cramping my ability to join you guys on our Monday Winter Rules podcast, but uh, they're off for a couple of Mondays now, so yes. that's good. But they played very, great yesterday against Colorado. Very nice game yesterday. Yes. Uh, uh, my, my goalie son and I were watching it, and uh, he was cheering on UPL, so... Remember, the, the start of the season was all about what is Kevin Adams thinking doing keeping three goalies, Kevin, and now they're, they were down to one healthy one yesterday. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the, the last time it happened, at, uh, I'll take some fans back real quick, Mika Noronen. Remember Mika Noronen? Uh, mm-hmm. when, they, when they kept him, it was uh, with Miller. And, and Baran. Uh, and Baran and Mika Noronen, and I don't think Mika ever played, and I don't think he ever played again. Yeah. Like, it just uh, it just didn't happen. Um but it's they, they needed them, and uh, you know they've all played well too. That's the uh, that's the crazy thing. All right, hey, listen, uh, you know what uh, tomorrow is, right, Brian? Oh yes, Halloween, Halloween. So we thought we'd have a little Halloween. <laughs> I know cheesy sound effect, a little Halloween theme here. Scariest holes uh, or shots in Western New York golf, and these are listen. Um, every course has that shot or whatever that um, you know. It, it, you're just you get up to that tee box or that second shot, and you're like, man, you just know that danger lurks. Yes, <laughs> and it's exactly the opposite swing thought that we tell you to do every week, and our pros tell you to do every week. Swing with confidence, right? See where that ball is going to hit right down the middle, or see that ball going to the green. Ignore the water, ignore the woods, ignore the out of bounds. Right. Yes, you're not supposed to see those. That's things, right. But uh, uh, you know, we, we know they're there. <laughs> so you know, prior to the show here, uh, and you may have seen the picture I posted on uh, my Instagram, at, you know, at Kevin, uh, at Kevin Sylvester. I don't even know my own Instagram handle. What is it? I'm, I'm, I think you're Kevin, Kevin T. Green, right? Kev Sylvester Ke- T degree. Kevin Sylvester T two G. There you go. Wow, way to know your stuff, Kev. All right, good show prep. No, but <laughs> um, so we were thinking about uh, the holes. So we kind of put together our little list here of uh, places and, and that we're pretty familiar with. Um, that that brings that that fear factor because sometimes when you play somewhere new or mm-hmm. someplace you don't play, you don't really have that fear because you don't know. But because we know the danger lurks there, um, you know, we, we know more about it. So we compiled a, a little list here. Uh, send us uh, notes, whether it be on X, formerly Twitter, or on Instagram and comments. Um, you know, send us those uh, scary shots that you have there. So, Brian, what's the, what's the first one we came up with? So we figured we're going to start with our home clubs, which, uh, of course, are a big part of T to Green every week. Pendleton Creek in North Tonawanda and Lancaster Country Club, of course, in Lancaster. So um, I'm going to start with Pendleton. And you know what? As it's, I feel like it's a good starting one to start with because it's right out of the gate. <laughs> if you show up at Pendleton Creek 
and you take your car or you take your clubs out of your car and do what do we call it? You slam the trunk, trunk slammer, the yeah. trunk slammer, and you go over to the first tee. You might have your hardest shot of the day, in my opinion, right away there. Um, if you're playing um, the white tees or the blue tees, you've got likely a shot of 200 maybe or more, and you have to hit it over water at least for the first 50, 60 yards. So any sort of uh, yeah, duff yeah. shot off the tee, well, now you're, you're re-teeing, and it's a disaster start already. But uh, it's a long par three. It's usually somewhere like... If the white tees maybe you're in the high 190s, if you're playing the blue tees, you're looking at 210, 215. And for a lot of people, that if that's your first shot of the day, especially if you haven't warmed up, like that is, that's a tough shot. And, you know, the water is not a carry all the way to the hole, but it's there and it's there visually. And for people we sure. know, sometimes they get a little bit anxious out of that. So, you know, there's a couple of Pendleton I may mention, but right out of the gate, in terms of like you starting... Most people out of the car, you know, getting out of the car there, you'd rather hit maybe driver on your first swing. But, you know, in that 195 to 215 range, like for a lot of people, that might be one of the hardest clubs they have to hit in their bag. All right. So, you know, the remedy for that is, you know, get there in time to get to the range and warm up and warm up and but hit that. that but that's not always, times. listen, like, like, correct. That's not always reality uh, for folks. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I could definitely see that. Uh, you get up there and you, you want to get it going that, Yes, especially with the uh, distance in the water. You're right. Like, you catch it heavy at all. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or or low. Um, you know, that certainly uh, it, it causes problems. All right. My uh, first scary hole. I, I promise I won't play that for every hole. This is... This is great production work here. Yeah, by we us. just I love yeah it. we just yeah figured out some sound effects. Really, yeah, we figured out a new button, so we're <laughs> using it a lot here today. <laughs> <laughs> Which is every uh, radio podcast host in the world when they get a sound effects machine. Yeah, um, and when we got one at GR many years ago, it's like oh, all right, we're overusing that <laughs> like crazy. All right, anyhow, um, at Lancaster Country Club, uh, my home club. Uh, you know, again, like you said, there's. Many holes you could you pick out certain shots, um, but I'm going to go with scariest hole. And <laughs> any members listening to this, they're going to agree, and you're going to be like, "Really? It's the par three, fourteenth hole. Plays a hundred from the members' tees. It's 154 yards downhill. There is no water. Doesn't sound too daunting, but no. I know where you're going with yeah, this. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't sound too daunting at all. But for whatever reason. That green is so difficult to hit. The wind uh, it, it doesn't affect the hole. It just just kind of the way it sits in this little valley, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of, if you get on the green and you look to the right, it, you're, you're in between the two par fives, right, 15, 16. So you'd figure, hey, the prevailing wind, too, is coming right to left and hole. If you line up and say, all right, I'm going to hit it at the, the right edge of the bunker, wind will bring it over, doesn't touch it whatsoever. If you get any little tug on it all, it seems to blow it into the left bunker or blow it even further and uh, back into the, the tree area where you're just dead. Um, plenty of golf balls come up short, which actually probably the preferred miss I think I figured out. So the way I play the hole now is I will take an 8-iron, and people say, well, I'll take an 8-iron anyways. I pretty much have to flush it because you, you can't land on the front of the green. It will come off the green. 8-iron um, gets me to the middle of the green if I, if I catch it well. If I tug it a little bit, I'm in that left bunker, which is death. Uh, the right bunker, if you push it, terrible. 
Um, but if the miss is short, then you can you can putt up the the uh, closely mown area. We talked about this last week. Not fairway. Yep. You're not here, Jeff, to defend yourself. But anyway, uh, to putt up there and try to make another putt on the green to get up and down. But we joke that it's the hardest par four on the golf course. It's just a such a difficult uh, green to hit. So yeah, four, par three, fourteenth. By the way, I do think it's an easier hole from the tips, from the back tees. It play about one seventy five. Because all you see is the top of the flagstick. You do not see the trouble. Yeah. And I think it plays easier from back there. But from the members' tees, scariest hole at Lancaster Country Club. All, all right. right. Next one. Next one. We're going to Glen Oak. Probably a course that all of you listening at some point has played. We know uh, in East Amherst, they're one of the best public courses in western New York. And uh, I'm going to take you to the fifth tee. So if you can picture where I'm at, I'm kind of in the back corner of the course there's houses oh, yeah. back there there's condos that all go along the left side which is all out of bounds and then on the right it's kind of their signature hole right yeah you've Fifth got hole? yeah you've got trees all along the right side too yes if you have if your drive goes probably anything longer than maybe 215 the trees start to enter on the right side so yes. you legitimately on that hole have to hit it straight there's really no room for error on either side and the whole time, you're probably, you know, as we would say, scariest thoughts here. You can't go left because it's out of bounds. There's a big bunker over there, too, There's right? a bunker, yep. but the cart path's very close to the out of bounds. So if you miss the fairway by a little bit on the left, there's a chance it hits the cart path, and bang, it goes into the out of bounds. So what is the probably the prevailing thought as well? I want to go right here. Well, the right is the trees. So you've really got to hit yourself. You've got to hit your straightest tee shot of the day on five. The layup is also maybe not easy either in the sense of if you're a little farther back, the pond on the left comes into play. If you're a little farther it's up. It's kind of like a canal there on the left. Yeah. And then and that's very tight to the cart path. Yes. And then eventually, if you're hitting it on your, on your uh, if you're up a little farther, maybe you're thinking like, hey, I'm going to push how far I can get this up here. Well, now the pond on the right's into play. And then, of course, on the approach, the third shot, that pond can always be in play. You've got bunkers on the right. I think it's a tough hole. I love the hole, but the tee shot standing there on five to me, it's one of those shots at Glen Oak. I love playing Glen Oak. There's so many great holes there. But that's definitely a shot that if I can hit even what I would consider to be a semi-decent tee shot, I'm taking a deep breath saying, okay, like maybe I yeah. get, get a good round here going today because that's a tough one for me. Yeah, no, it, it, I, think that, I think the tee shot there, you're right, is – it's scary. Yes. No, because, no, it, it is difficult. And you really think about it, the smart play. Well, see, you hit a little further than I do. Um, for for most of us mortals, the smart play actually is probably just a little hybrid. Five iron off the tee. Hit that same club again to get to the wedge in hand. Yeah, if you, could, if you green, do that, right? maybe something just a little less than 200 that takes the bunker out Absolutely, of play. right. And it also, if you do accidentally maybe miss it right a little, you're actually going to be front of the trees but before the, the trees start. But but the problem with doing that is what makes it a great hole. Yeah. You're faced with the exact same proposition on the next one. That's right. Right? So You still have gonna, OB left. You still have trees to the right. And then you still have uh, a pond if you miss it left. Right. So, yeah, that does make it a, a scary hole. You know, Many, many could say number eight. Eh, you, you know, it all depends on, yeah. on how you play that. But excuse me, seven. I'm thinking of seven. Uh, the dog leg right. The one that benders. Yeah, yeah and, a little bender there. And for people that really have that visual fear of water, number eight is almost all over the whole thing. The carry, the par three. That right. Number eight. But there's there's room to uh, yeah, there's room to miss left. Though. You can miss left. A lot of lot of room to miss there left. Yes. Uh, you know, play that long. Uh, and left. All right, good choice there with Glen Oak. All right, our our next one up here, and uh, 
No sound. You want to do the sound? Yeah, why oh, not? We got it. Okay. It's only Halloween for one week here. <laughs> We're going to go to the South Towns in this one, Brian, okay? Cut. We're going to East Aurora Country Club, and which, you know, we talk about tee shots. There's plenty of scary tee shots, uh, you know, on that golf course there. But th- this one, I think, the, the entire hole um, has some peril, some things to be afraid. It's like the haunted house. Be careful when you enter and be on alert, and that's the par 5 seventh hole at East Aurora Country Club. Now, the the tee box, right, it's kind of back down there in the corner uh, below the sixth green. You hit uphill, but you've got to hit it far enough left because the, it cambers, right? It's like a racetrack from uh, – except we're going in the other, other direction. You know how a racetrack will bank right to left. This bank's hard left to right there. If you try to, to uh, bite off a little bit too much there and you miss, it gets repelled down to that little gully and yep. you're hosed. I mean, it's just – you've got nothing there. You've got no real look. You've probably got an awkward lie, maybe uphill, that you just got to pitch it back out in the fairway. All right, but let's say you do get it in the fairway way and you better have banged a good one there to think about going to four two but if you think about going to four two you've got to work it around the trees right that, that, that there's a big tree that comes out there just kind of left side just on the descent down towards the green you've got ob railroad tracks to the right you've got that pond that uh, cuts in kind of front left of the green so you're saying you know what i'm going to lay up here well good good luck judging the layup because what you're likely going to give yourself uh, unless you you pitch it to get the flat lie and have about one forty in, I'm, I'm one forty one fifty in that range in. Or if you get it down the hill, you got an awkward stance. Well, right? that's a that's the downhill lie. If you don't place it to that yardage that you want up there at the top, then anything like you said, probably one forty to like fifty in that it's, range is it's there. an uncomfortable it's all downhill. So now you're yes. thinking about your stance the whole time. It's a tough shot for sure. Yeah, I, I think that you know when I was thinking about East Aurora, they're par fives. Uh, when you look at seven, when you look at eleven, and even twelve, right? Twelve, eleven, and twelve are the back-to-back par fives. Uh, let's see. I don't I mean, actually. I think twelve. 12's a par 5, I think 11's, 11's not. A, 11's a 4, yeah. Should be a par 5. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Honorable mention there, but I, I just think all the elements of hole number 7 make it the most scariest hole at East Aurora Country Club. All right, what do we got next here on our list? All right, uh, we're going to go back up north, and we're going to go to the home of the Porter Cup. We're going to go to Niagara Falls Country Club, and one that the players that have played this course have talked about those that are on the host committee and the members there, they always talk about it. It's the tee shot on number 17. Oh, yes. The par four, and it's a long hole. It goes down and then back up, and you basically have trouble on both sides. And part of the, the lure of this hole, too, is that a lot of times the Porter Cup can be decided by yes. this tee shot. You've got you know the 71st of 72 holes. If it's tight, like what do you do there? And... Uh, it's not a hole that you want to have a lot coming in because it's a tough green and everything kind of tightens up yeah, toward the green there with bunkers. The trees come into play a little bit more. The green, there's less space up there, and then there's bunkers everywhere. So you'd like not to have a 200-yard sh- approach shot coming in. So you got to bang a, a driver or a three-wood off this tee, but there can be some trouble, and the rough there is thick. And the, even though visually, you know, from side to side where the trees are and the OB is on the right you think you may have enough space, but the fairway itself is not that wide in that area. One of the, uh, if, if I'm remembering this correctly, um, 
you've got to you've got to just carry the the right edge of the left fairway bunker. There's a little speed slot right that'll kick it down the hill and get you uh, you know with inside that 200 yard shot if you hit, you hit it in that because if you go a little further right, it's not gonna not gonna you know catch the right spot right yeah. to uh, kick it down there and. You're right. That second shot, you really have to know the golf course because you, you push it like the bunkers on the right. I, I think they're a little deceiving of how, how far they cut over towards the green. It, it looks safe there. Yeah, left's out of bounds. You're right. That is. It, it feels up by the green like everything kind of closes in on you. The green's not a very large green either. There's bunkers all around it. Like it's if you're in one of those bunkers, even like you're sitting here thinking, man, if I don't hit this right, I could end up in the bunker right on the other side because yeah. there's not a lot of space going back and forth. There. One of the cool things when you play a, a round there, if you, you play with members, and you know, not in a t- they don't do this in the Porter Cup, but they do this um, if you just play a, a you know, round of golf. You'll hit your tee ball on 16, the par 3. Yes. And then before you go up to the green, you'll hit your tee shot. On 17. On 17 yes. with driver. Uh, so when you come off the green, you just cut it over and uh, you go play the hole. I saves this, a little time. Yeah, saves a little time instead of, you know, walking home. But in the Porter Cup, they make them – Make them walk back there. All right, we move on to our next hole. Hey, why don't we stay north? Yes, we're gonna one? we're gonna stay in Niagara County, and we're gonna go to Lockport Country Club for this one. Our scariest hole. We're thinking about the tee shot and ma- probably the whole hole on number three. Yes, at Lockport. So for those that have played it, if you know it, of course, the first hole you're up by the clubhouse right along the road. You got the short par three back, and then you reach the third tee, and it's a dogleg right. And you've got trees all down the right side, and it's curving and shaping with the dogleg. On the left, there are trees, but if you miss left, down the hill you go. You're heading back toward the 16th hole at that point. Yeah, you're you're dead. I mean, <laughs> there's you know, no shot from there. Jason Voorhees is waiting for you down there. <laughs> you just say you have you have nothing, right? I mean, Mike Myers on the right, Jason Voorhees on the left. You are done if you don't find the. And and the funny thing is. From the tee box, it looks the the fairway looks so tight, but it's actually yeah. plenty of room in the fairway. It's just the, the visuals because you're a little elevated hitting down there. It looks smaller, but then when you uh, get down in the fairway, you're like, oh, there's there's plenty of room out here. It just doesn't uh, look that way. But you're right, that the next shot too, uh, you know, it, there isn't a hazard, but man, it, it's. It, it plays longer than it is. You miss it left again. You're back down there in Jason Voorhees territory. Mm-hmm. And they actually made the hole more friendly. It used to be so much harder because of fescue and all these things, and they made it more player-friendly. But that's that's a great choice at Lockport. And that green has some severe slope, too. So you could end up in a spot. You might even thinking, hey, I'm, you know, I'm on this green in two here or whatever. Or, hey, I got a par putt. Like, you could very easily three-putt that green in many cases, depending upon where that – tee shot right. ends up. We have one more, right? Yes. All right. We're our, going... our final scariest holes in right. Western New York. All right. We're going to go to Diamond Hawk. Okay. I just and... played there. Just played there with Jeff Blank, by the way. That's right. Jeff, yeah, by I the way. so bad he's sick. <laughs> <laughs> sick of watching you play. Wait. I hit the right button here? Oh, no. No. You... no. Oh, oh, no. That, that was a good was, button. I got, that was close. Got a laugh. That's the one. That's the one we're looking for. <laughs> I know. Looking for my laugh for my bad joke. I was going to, I was, you know what? <laughs> I have some videos I took of uh, Blank playing and one where I, I'm kind of poking fun at him um, th- that I got to put up on Instagram. And I was going to poke fun of him on today's show, but he's not here, so I'm not going to do that. Blank, though, did well. a, get well, Jeff Blank. Blanks did a, did a, um, 
a video that you can check out, uh, you know, previously on our, our TD Green social media handles about that he thinks Diamond Hawk's one of the toughest first holes. That's not what our scariest hole is, yeah, but just but it is. But as yes. a challenging hole, one is very tough at Diamond Hawk. The approach shot, it's it, the approach shot's real tough. The green is massive. Uh, again, it's one of those greens where even if you hit it in regulation, you still got a lot of work to do uh, because of how that green is sloped. But I mean, there's so many tight tee shots at Diamond Hawk that, you know, you and I, as we were prepping for this, we were sitting here saying, is this the scariest tee shot? Right. Is this the scar-? I mean, there's a lot. On the front nine, there's quite a few holes that we could nominate to say this is a really scary tee shot there. So, um, And then on the back, number 15 is a very tight one as well. You're coming yes. off of playing that long par five around the, around the water, and then 15 super tight. Now, because it's a shorter hole, you could get away with uh, maybe um, – Playing a little, playing an iron or so, something a little bit more accurate, like a like a hybrid off of that number fifteen hole. But on the front nine, I know we had a couple of nominations of some holes that are just really tough visually off the tee. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was thinking about scary tee shots, and you're right, there are so many of them. But I am going to go with and and just having just played it uh, on the scariest tee ball, I'm going with number seven, number seven at Diamond Hawk. Well, there we go. We got some angel dust in there, too. <laughs> um, number seven, you'd be like, well, number seven, that, that's kind of a short hole. Well, you get on the tee there, and, you know, from the distance we were playing, that's, you know, actually one of the beauties of that golf course is every tee box, there's a there's a bunker or something in play. Yeah. But uh, we were playing the gold tees, and from that tee box, the left bunker's in play. There's out of bounds left, again, cart path tight to that. Somehow I, I pulled it left. Somehow a leaf kept my ball in play. It was uh, I, I almost hit, I hit left-handed uh, that second second shot out of there. But if you go right, they've got like kind of gorse yeah. over there with fescue and bunkers up top there or down in the valley, and it makes a really uh, difficult second shot. So, yeah, number eight. Um, is getting my vote at Diamond Hawk. I'm going to throw two more just public course golf holes that sure. are shots that I think might be scary for people that have played a lot. The Brighton, number nine. Where never, I've never played Brighton, believe it or not. Where you're teeing off up high. You're almost right next to the 290 expressway there. Um, you've got the the hill and that huge mound all around the right, and then you've got trees all on the left. It's And it dog legs a little left. So you've got to hit a real... Nice shot there. So the Brighton tee shot on nine. And I'll also nominate the approach shot on 18 at Arrowhead. Oh, yes. You've got, obviously, carrying of water, depending upon what harsh of an angle you're going to take. You could have more water to carry, less water to carry. You want to bail out left? Well, then all those bunkers come into play, too. And that's a really large green with a lot of sloping green. So that's another public course where I really think, like, you're standing over that shot. You're... You're hopefully not thinking about all the bad that can happen, but there's a lot of bad stuff that can happen on that. All right, I'll add one more honorable mention. Second shot, second hole, assuming you hit a good drive, trying to go for the green and two at Craigburn, the par five. Yes. If you're trying to go... you you got to carry it all over the water. you got to go carry all the way. If you're going to go left of the pond to stay away from it, well, now you're going to bring possibly the trees into play there. It's got to be a smart... Really yeah. accurate, but even if you lay up, it's there. still not it's still not a uh, slam dunk shot uh, by any means because you're still going to have, you know, if you're laying up, you, know, you still got to carry that water, and you know, just for some re- some reason uh, that comes. Uh, That's why it's Craigburn. Okay, uh, moving on here, uh, we like to discuss a rule each week here on our Winter Rules podcast. Teddy Green uh, brought to you by Golf Dojo. 
by the way, mygolfdojo.com. That's where you go to uh, get a membership, uh, book your hours uh, to come in and play. Listen, our weather sucks now, so uh, it should be no surprise here. So, you know, come indoors and play simulator golf and work on your game or just uh, get together with friends uh, at Golf Dojo. Again, second location. Um, they expect to have that uh, opened sometime next month in yeah. November. Um, so, or if you listen to this in November this month, um, but, uh, we're at the Williamsville location, our TD green studio, it's kind of in the members only area. We need those, they need to get the members only jackets like, you know, uh, Costanza used to wear. All right. Anyway. And I have to leave the jacket in here when I leave, right? I can't wear it outside. Yeah. It'd be like a mug. So, yeah. You know, when you go to a, you know, a beer mug. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, so we like to discuss a rule each week here in the Winter Rules podcast. Last week we discussed, uh, you can go back and listen, and we, we've discussed a rule each week. Last week we talked about the divot rule, to which Jeff Meadis pointed out there is no divot rule, and to which Jeff Blank and I argued there should be. Right. All right. Um, yes, we're, we're, tr- we're, we're, you know, part of these fun discussions that we can have during our off season here during Winter Rules is should rules be changed? Can we have fun with some rules? Should, yes. Can we change the lingo of some of these, of these rules to make it more fun and playable for everybody? So today we're going with how many clubs you can have in your bag. Yeah, and, and believe me, uh, you know, Callaway has been a sponsor. TD Green um, has not lobbied us to uh, <laughs> argue for this here uh, to sell more golf clubs. Or our friends at Woods to Wedges, which is a great place to go uh, to buy your clubs and get fitted for them or repaired. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's a rule. You get 14 clubs in the bag. And we were just chatting before the show, should it be changed to be – unlimited or should there be less than 14 clubs in the bag brian what do you think well i mean obviously that's all i've known so i always feel like that that's always what i've made the adjustment with should you allow to be carrying more clubs hmm well i'll argue because we're at 14 let me me phrase it differently because we're at 14 does it matter if you have 15 or 16 anymore it's a good question. Ultimately, with how good it is now in terms of the ability to make a club to help fit yourself, if you've got a certain number of clubs in your bag, like let's say you want to carry five wedges, you want to carry six wedges, would should that matter if I want to carry 18 total clubs? Do I still have to hit the golf shot? You still have to hit the golf shot, right? yes. Or as part of, part of it is that I have a limited number of tools in order to do so. Are you bringing... Possibly inequities in terms of it making a level playing field. Are you saying, look, at this person has got 20 clubs. This person's got 12. Maybe this person can afford to go out and have 32 clubs perfectly specced for them and have every single yardage covered. Uh, is, is part of the fun of the game the fact that maybe you're standing at a lie that isn't the perfect yardage and you've got to adjust and decide, hey, I can take a three-quarters this club or a a super hard 100% this club and, you know, is the strategy there. So, you know, the old schoolness in me would say keep it at 14 because a piece of that is you've got a limited number of, of you know, repertoire pieces. Could it turn into like an arms race, essentially, All right. if you made it unlimited? So I would vote against unlimited if I, yeah. if you were to say, you know, do you want a specific number? I would 100% vote against unlimited because I think then it just, it gets beyond that. Like, how many clubs is Bryson going to have in his bag? Then He's going to have yeah. 140. Right, you don't you don't want that. I'm I'm voting for going the other side of it and taking the under. I think they should remove at least one and probably two. Twelve clubs in the bag that includes your putter. 
12 clubs in your bag. Now, you think about that. Now there's, now there's strategy involved, right? We're talking, you know, all this talk about, hey, should we uh, unify the ball? Should we, you know, you know, roll the ball back? There's all, you know, making uh, courses longer. There's not real estate anymore. You know, uh, superintendents tightening fairways and such. Well, how about we, you know, put a restrictor plate on, if you will, to use an auto racing uh, analogy here, um, you know, Cars, they, they have to have restrictor plates so they can't go unlimited speed, right? So they're all kind of about the same speed. This is the only way you can make it about the same speed is, hey, uh, conditions are the same and you only get 12 clubs. Now think about that. If you have 12 clubs, you're probably, like I have four wedges in my bag. A wedge is probably coming out, yeah. right? So at least one wedge is coming out. So I'm down to three. I can get by with three, all right? Then I got to figure out a mid iron that's coming out, right? So is it the four? Is the five for me probably the four? That's coming out. Or I'm only carrying two head covers and more irons. So that therein lies um, the issue. And believe me, I think competitive professional golfers, they can get by. They can make scores just the same with 12 clubs as they would 14. I bet many of you listening out there, you go through a round of golf and like, geez, I didn't even hit my six iron today. There's a club that you maybe touch once around. So just take it away and make you, Brian, shot making. Yeah. Bring some shot making back. What would what would make the argument for coming down to, let's say, 12, I kind of like that number if you're going to bring it down, would be that there's now strategy involved in terms of what you select. And it can change from course to course. Maybe if you're going to a course that requires a little bit, maybe it's longer, you're thinking, you know, I need more longer clubs in the bag. Maybe it's a shorter course where you would want more wedges. Maybe it's a course where you need more accuracy, so you're going to change what you do uh, off the tee. I think that that you would be interesting. change what you do off the tee based upon what's in your bag. That's true. I think that also, if you spin it to the professional side of golf, too, how cool would it be for us, you know, as golf commentators, you and I, analysts, for those that are even just watching as fans of professional golf, if we're sitting there saying, oh, I can't believe he didn't take his three-wood today, or I can't believe he... You know, he took his putter out today, or I'm not his putter, his, yeah, his wedge no. today, or what? Right. Like di- different club selections that these pros might have to make. That comes part of like even the pre and post round discussion of, well, he decided to take that out today, so maybe this limits what he can do here. Um, you know, these pros are so good; they can hit so many shots with so many different clubs. But it might add another element of strategy uh, in terms of just saying, you know, here's what you're equi- here's what you're allowed strategically for my round today, what am I looking for here to, to make those club selections where you've got to ultimately it's going to lead to me. I'll probably end up with a whole bunch of clubs in my trunk that ultimately <laughs> I'll end up being like, Oh crap. I wanted that seven yeah, but, iron today. <laughs> but, 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 there, but this, this is the cool thing, right? So kind of what you're saying, like, all right, Hey, round one, oh, man, I, I really just, I, I hit my driver poorly yesterday. I'm going to just go with three wood and hybrid today yeah. or three, five wood hybrid. Um, you know, changing that out there and that, oh, what is, hey, he's, he's gone with three wood today. He hit the driver poorly yesterday. Or, hey, he took the driving iron out yesterday. You know what? You can, you, you, the conversation with the players, hey, why'd you take your driving iron out? You know what? Didn't even hit it yesterday. Yeah. So wh- why, why carry that in the bag? It's like a wasted thing there. So there's a lot of strategy involved. And now think about the matches they have. You know, I'm talking about the match, the pay-per-view yes. things. You could have a match where, I get to select which clubs clubs you don't get to take, Brian. So yeah. if I'm playing Rory McIlroy in a match, 
Roy, you don't get driver. Yes. The driver is taken out there and he'd be like, oh, okay, well, uh, you know, Patrick Cantley, I'm taking your putter away. Right? <laughs> you got to putt with something, something different. So, uh, you know, those are just extreme examples of stuff you can have fun with as we're talking about all these different things with golf. Um, I just think the players are so good, they'll adapt. Yeah. You know, much like baseball players go from college to pros, from aluminum to wood, they adapt. So I I would love to see him go down, again, at least one club to 13. You know, if you really want to get uh, tough, go down to 12, and I still think they will play great golf. All right, speaking of pro golfers, Brian, we're going to close out with something cool that is uh, going to happen in another sport that involves – one of the top players in the world. Yes. Um, it looks as though, yes. So John Rahm, we know top players in the world here. He's right on our list. He's going to throw out the first pitch before game four of the World Series. So uh, we're recording this. If you're listening today, this is Monday. As we're wa- This is a game three is tonight in Arizona. Game four will be Tuesday night. So if you're watching or if you're listening to this uh, before Tuesday night's game four of the World Series, uh, John Rahm will be throwing out the first pitch um, today, ironically enough, I will argue was the greatest first pitch in the history of professional sports and baseball. It's the 20, 23 years ago today, on October 30th, what, the greatest first pitch ever. In was, my it, was it, uh, wait, wait, hang on, um, 23 years ago? Today, on October 30th. Yes, this is the 23rd anniversary. This wasn't, uh, this wasn't President Bush. This was President Bush, Okay, yes. after 9-11? Yes, when he came out to Yankee Stadium. Yep, 20, I'm sorry, 22 years ago today, October 30th, 2001, uh, President Bush throws out the ceremonial first pitch there before Game 3 at Yankee Stadium between yeah. the Diamondbacks and the Yankees. He comes out there, and I've watched, they had like, like a mini 30, 30, 30 for 30 on this with him. Because um, because yeah because of what was going on in the right. country that was after nine eleven you got you had yeah. that weeks where there were no sports at all and then baseball got back going huge gathering and the president of the United States wants to go on through the first pitch yes and so hearing Bush talk about this he had said that look he goes we knew I couldn't come out there in like some armored gear here he's like right. that's the symbolism that no one's going to defeat us you know we're we're brave we're strong we're together so he said. You know, I, th- they said that they made him wear a bulletproof jacket underneath, a vest underneath his base. You know, it was kind of like the pullover jacket. Right, it was right. an FDNY jacket for the, sure. for the fire department. And, and, and for those who may, may not remember, President Bush was also uh, previously an owner of the Rangers. Of the Texas Rangers. Yes. So, he, but, so he, you know, he's, he's a baseball guy in yes. that sense. So he said there, there were two interesting things that I took from this little mini piece on it. He said, look, I, ha- I couldn't go out there with like armed security guards and you know what he was I had to go out there like looking like everybody else he goes I wanted to let everybody know our country is safe and strong and you know like I'm here as your leader but they said that they made him wear a bulletproof vest underneath so he had his FDNY jacket on over the top so he said that was one piece that was a challenge because he said throwing a baseball with that on you're obviously a little you have some constricted for for sure too Um, the other thing was he said he goes, look, I got to throw this from the mound. He goes, I can't. He goes, we, you know, I can't look weak here. Right. But throwing from the mound for those that have never done it, it's a quite a bit of an elevation change. Like people have had quite a bit of issues with it. Most of the time, when you have a first pitch, they always encourage the person. He just throw it from the edge of the mound there, where it's still flat, so you're not having to deal with that. So he said he had to practice quite a bit. 
He goes, you know, for as busy as it was, he goes, I had to get some throws in with this vest on, and I had to get some throws in from the mound. And he walks out there, gives the big thumbs up. Everybody's chanting USA, USA. I mean, one of these moments where you're getting chills. Yeah, I'm getting chills just yeah. hearing you talk about it. And yeah, then, yeah. and then he fires a strike. Yes, and it was just <laughs> yeah. like right there. And then he's just giving the thumbs up, and every you know the flag, the USA flags oh, are yeah. chanting it. And, you know, and we you know whether you're a Yankee fan or not, everybody knows. I mean, Yankee Stadium is one of the most venerable sites in sports, and the atmosphere there is phenomenal. And, you know, that moment, like, even just thinking about it right now, like, I'm just like, Yeah, wow. you're getting goosebumps. Yeah, yeah, that was a really good moment. So, anyway, John Rahm going to throw out the World Series first pitch game four Tuesday night, but today, 22 wow. years ago, the anniversary of what I think is the best first pitch ever. Cool. Thanks for yeah. – thanks. Diamondbacks won that series, right? They did in yeah, seven. Wasn't it Randy Johnson, Kirk Schilling? Yes, and Luis Gonzalez got the game-winning hit in game seven off of Mariano. He, he jammed him. You know oh, how Mariano right. would always yeah, yes. jam guys? He the, It was like that broken bat blooper just into center field, and then Diamondbacks got the winning run. They won in seven in that. So. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, be sure to uh, check out our social media um, handles uh, for, again, some videos that we put up there and go back to previous episodes here of the Winter Rules pod- Podcast. And, of course, it's brought to you by Golf Dojo. We're coming to you from our studio in Williamsville inside the Golf Dojo. Go to mygolfdojo.com. For Brian Koziel, I'm Kevin Sylvester. We'll get to Jeff's back next week. Thanks for listening to the TD Green Winter Rules Podcast. <laughs>